see so many of you here this morning. Good to see Miss Marilyn back from vacation. Good to have you. Miss Ann, good to see you back. And it's especially good to see my wife here this morning. Always good to come to church when your wife is with you. Take your Bibles if you would and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to learn more about the master this morning. The essence of the Christian life is to follow the steps of Jesus Christ. No better example, no better person, no other person has ever walked this earth with perfect like Jesus Christ. He is perfect because he's not only man 100%, he was God 100%. He said, understand it, grasp it. I do not, but by faith I believe it. Because only the God-man could die and pay for my sins so I could have everlasting life. So what better example can we look at this morning than the example of Jesus Christ himself? As we look at Mark chapter 10 this morning, and we'll start this morning in verse 17. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Gracious Father, we thank you, Lord, again for this opportunity we have to read your word, to hear your word preached this morning. Help me, Lord, as I simply tried to explain what your word says to these dear people today. Father, I pray as I pray often, Lord, if there be one in this room who does not know Jesus Christ, maybe they're good. Maybe they're like this person here, religious. They're good. They have a lot of good moral qualities to themselves, but they never, never trusted in Jesus Christ alone. He is the only way to eternal life. Lord, I pray you'll draw that one to yourself before it's too late, because there will be a day where it will be too late. And I pray for us as saints, God, that you'd help us. Lord, with compassion, see this whole world that is much, most, mostly religious, but mostly steeped in religion without a relationship in the true God, who is Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us to have compassion. Help us to have love. Help us, Lord, be willing to win the lost at any cost. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. April the 2nd, 1513, there was a man off the coast of right over the way, not far, about an hour and a half who sighted what he thought was just another island. And he looked at the beautiful shore and he called it Florida. His name was Ponce de Leon. How many of you have been over there? St. Augustine, you've seen that. Well, according to the popular legend, he was seeking for the fountain of youth. Well, fountain of youth is not found in a pill not found in a potion. Oh, I'm, I know you ladies are trying to find it now. Hey, just a little more oil of ole. <laughs> What's it, Chanel number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? What are you? We're always trying to find something to make us younger, better, quicker, faster. What do we want? We want more youth. We want more time. Oh, somebody was telling me the day, oh, how hard it is to grow old. 
Well, we got a we got a 76 year old, a 86 year old, an 87 year old, and an 88 year old. All right here, all right here. They said, "Oh, Vicky, I can go back and be 17 again. I can go back to be 25 again. If I go back to be 60 again." Oh, dear friend, in this in this life, there's no turning back the clock. The only lane you can go back is memory lane. But physically, we deteriorate. We get God gives us four four score four four uh four twenties. That's 80. And after that, the Bible says there's there's much sorrow. And you folks who know who've been past 80, you know there's a little bit of sorrow. That's why you it's called the golden years, right? It's called the golden years because when you get old, you better have some gold to give those hospitals. Because <laughs> it sure ain't cheap to go to them hospitals. But this man was looking for salvation. He wanted eternal life. Maybe you're here this morning and said, and say, what, what would it have, what would I have to do? What would I have to do to have everlasting life? What can I, what can I do? What, what do I have to buy? What do I have to, what do I have to, what do I have to earn? What do I have to get? What do I have to have? To have everlasting life. Well, that's the that's the ultimate question, isn't it? I want eternal life. Well, let's look at the elements of salvation or eternal life this morning. First of all, if you want eternal life or you want to be saved, it's necessary to know exactly what you want. It all starts with that, right? Because if you don't realize you need to be saved or want eternal life, you're not going to get it. So many people here in this world is what we call reality lost lost they don't even they, they have they have no idea they're so caught up in the work of this world they're so caught up in the nine to five or the to or the eight to eight to four or the overnight or the just the the, the race that we call the rat race they're so caught up in this life that they don't realize that this life is is just a temporary thing that there's more to this life but dear friend, this, this life is passing away. It, the Bible calls it in the book of James, it's like a vapor. It appears for a little time, then passes away. It's like one of those really cold, 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 cold mornings here in, in, in central North Florida, like, you know, maybe 29 degrees. That's about 27, about as cold as we get. We go outside and we go blow a little bit, and we see that vapor for just a little bit. It's there. We see it, then it's gone. That's how your life is. Compared to our eternity, it's almost nothing. It seems to us like, oh, it's so long. But compared to eternity, it's almost nothing. We have a, we have a small, small life. This man here come to Jesus. He came running to Jesus, excited, humbly, humble. The companion passages, if you'd like to read sometime, is Matthew 19, 16 through 30 and Luke 18, 18 through 30. But from all these three passages, we can understand a couple of things about this man. He was a Jewish religious leader, devout, honest in terms of relationship to Judaism, uh, young, wealthy, prominent, influential. He was confident, had, but he, he hadn't found peace, hadn't found joy. He, had, he, he knew he was missing something. Remember when I was 17 years of age and I was trying to find life. I was trying to find love. I was trying to find purpose in life. I was trying to find it, as most people do at that age, in all the wrong places. I believe in every person is a God-shaped void. That they can do anything in this life, relationships, things, stuff, that to, to fill that void. But there's only one thing that will fill that void, and that's Jesus Christ. 
That's why so many people do so many things to try to fill that void, whether it's in relationships or whether it's drugs or whether it's in all sports, whatever it may be, do. They try to find that peace, that serenity, that purpose, but it cannot be found outside of God. You'll, you'll seek, you'll find, you'll go, you'll go to great measures, and what great measures will the people go? They work so many hours. They do so many things. They invest so much time and money and hard work, yet they cannot find it. And here this man was, religious, youthful, educated, intelligent, but lacked peace. Is that you this morning? So, preacher, I got a house. I got a car. I'm doing pretty good. Dear friend, you can have everything, but without Jesus, you have nothing. The Bible says, what does it profit a man? If he gained the whole world and lost his own soul. I wonder if Bill Gates had peace this morning. I wonder. Vanderbilts, I've been to their house. They're there in North Carolina, Asheville area. Big place, huge. Oh, man, has a swimming pool, bowling alley, lots of rooms, fireplaces galore. Wonderful grounds, vineyards, wealth. But dear friend, that's nothing. This man had so much, but he did not have eternal life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter ye the gate, straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many, are, many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few, that means few, very, out of a out of hundred, how many would you say is few? Two, three, four? Few there be that find it. Just because a person says they're born again, just because a person says they're Christian, has a, has a bumper sticker on the back of their car, doesn't mean they're saved. Because Christianity is not a religion. It's not something you attain to. It's not something you can get. It's something you can grasp. It's a relationship. It's life. The word life is, is zoe in this Greek. It's mentioned 34 times in the Greek language. This is reminiscent of a Greek mythology I read of about a, a goddess by the name of Aurora, who is the goddess of John. And she, found, she fell in love with a mortal named Tithonius, who was a mortal youth. Because he was a mortal, she knew that the relationship couldn't last. He only had so many years. So she goes to Zeus, the head of the gods, and says, make him live forever. And Zeus granted her the wish. The only problem is he did, she did not ask for eternal youth. So he got older and older and older and older. How many of you folks in your 80s want to live 200 with your body getting older and older and older? Oh, how horrible that would be. He was looking for life. He was looking for life. He knew what he needed, but secondly, the second element of eternal life comes through not only the knowledge of what he needed, but he felt deeply about it. He really cared. Not only does there knowledge, he felt deeply about it. See, it's one thing to know you want to need something. It's actually the second thing to actually want to do something about it. Some of you in this room know you need medical care, but you ain't going to do it. <laughs> Some of you have been told, oh, I got to do this. I should do that. Uh, you, you husbands, you tell your wives, and you wives, you tell your husbands, you need to do this, you need to do that. But you know as soon as you tell them to do it, they're not going to do it. 
it's not only that there's, there's a need, there's a desire to do something about it. He came asking a question, what might I do to have eternal life? So a lot of people know they need a relationship with God, but a lot of people aren't in church this morning. They're not willing to do something about it. He came to Jesus. Jesus didn't come to him. Oh, man, I love it when folks come to church, knock on the door and say, when I'm here, say, preacher, can you tell me about Jesus? Hey, man, that's like saying, stick him to a bulldog. I love it when people say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about God? About a year and a half ago, the folks down at Sunday's Barbecue came to me. And they say, preacher, would you come by twice a week, eat some barbecue, and tell us more about God? I didn't have to think about that very long. Yeah, I like barbecue, and yeah, I love to talk about God. I'll be there twice a week by the grace of God. <laughs> Dear friend, he came to Jesus. There was a need. This person had some good qualities about him. He, 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 had some, he had some moral qualities about him. He was curious. I had a neighbor where he used to live. His name was Greg. He was a good old Irish Catholic. He would always have questions about, about God. I'd be out there cutting the grass, summertime, sweating. You know, out there cutting the grass before my son now cut the grass. But back when I used to cut the grass and I was out there sweating, he'd come over sometimes with, a, with some water, sometimes just a chit-chat, sometimes a talk. He'd say a few things sometimes he shouldn't say. It. He'd always apologize about it. He was a good man, a good worker. If I was gone on vacation, he'd watch my, my place. He'd cut my grass. He would do a lot of good things. He was inquisitive. He wanted to know more about God. And every time he came, I tried to share a little bit more about him. Try to invite his kids to vacation Bible school. Invite him to revival. Invite him. Encourage him. Let him know about, about God. Oh, there's a lot of people like there, like Greg. A lot of people out there who have a desire, who want to who know. And dear friends, we ought to do all we can while we can to tell them about Jesus. Thirdly, it takes, some, takes a third element. In obtaining eternal life, we need, it need to seek it diligently. It's not just to realize you need it. Not only it needs that you want to come get it, it's to seek it diligently. Man, if I was to say out there in that field there's some gold, and I'm not saying it, but if I was to say it out there is some gold before long, you all be out there looking for some gold. If I was to say there's some barbecue in the back in about 30 minutes, you'd be out there looking. Half of you'd be gone. Where well, you'd be smelling it and be like, preacher, I don't know what you're saying, but we must be smelling the barbecue. Man, if you want something, you diligently seek it. Some of you might be looking for a house or a new Harley Davidson. God bless your soul. Amen. I see you, brother. Hands, raise your hand, man. Confess your sins. It's all right, brother. We'll, we'll pray for you afterwards. You might be looking for something, but are you seeking it diligently? Do you really want to find it? The Bible says that he came, and there was one forth in the way, and he came running. How many people come running to Jesus? No, most people ran away from Jesus. <laughs> hey, man, you take your Bible into Walmart. How many people are going to run up to you and say, how you doing today? Can I read that Bible? Yeah, take that Bible to the University of Florida, walk down the way and say, hey, how you doing? Man, I'd be down there a couple years ago trying to pass out Bibles. I, maybe 20 at a time I'd try to pass out. Most of those folks walk by me, look at me, glance at me. I say, hey, do you want a Bible? They look at me like I'm half crazy. What's that man doing trying to give me a Bible here? Downtown University of Florida. I said, don't you want a Bible? I'd, I'd get a few. I'd get a few. But most of them walk right by and look at me with a face of if you want to know God, you've got to search diligent for him. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. They that seek the Lord shall not want of any good thing. 
Psalm 105, verse 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Isaiah 55, verse 6, seek the Lord, why he may be found, call upon him when he is near. I used to think when I was a young person, oh, you know, one of these days when I grow up, I'll find Jesus and I'll get saved. But listen, you don't know when that's going to be. You go over to that cemetery right down the road by that Baptist church, you'll find a lot of people in there, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds. You'll find little 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds. And maybe they thought in their mind, like many people I've talked to over the years that I went to school with, one day, Marty, one day I'll get right with God. One day I'll get saved. The problem is you don't know the day you're going to die. You don't know when your last day is. I've been over to the hospital a whole lot last last couple of weeks. I've seen a whole lot of people in there. didn't think they'd be in there that day. Something happened, accident, problem, sick, pain, suffering. Some of you have been through it yourself. You don't know when something bad is going to happen to you. Dear friends, quit focusing about tomorrow. Are you ready to die today? Because you only have the day. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow for you might never come. It's the only day. Somebody answer that phone, please. Amen. Answered it today. Third, fourthly, what takes, what takes up, what, 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 what element do we need to have eternal life? Well, he came to the right source. Not only does he need it, not only does he need to come recognize his need and do something about it, not only does he come diligently up to it, wanting it with all his heart. Fourth, he must come to the right source. See, you want something, but you don't go to the right place, you're not going to find it. If you go to Walmart looking for Harley Davidson, well, you'll see some in the parking lot, but you probably can't buy it. You, you go to the wrong place. If I'm looking for a, if I'm looking for a, uh, uh, um, a Mexican meal at Sonny's Barbecue, I'm probably not going to get it. Probably not going to get it. You got to go to the right source. He came to the perfect source. Actually, he came to the only source. <laughs> Man, there's lots of sources out there, isn't there? I mean, there's Islam and Hinduism and folk, uh, Chinese religion, Buddhism, tribal religion, shamanism, animism, atheism. Judaism, spiritualism, Baha'i faith, Confucianism, Jainism, Zotarianism, Shintoism, Taoism, Wiccan. I mean, there's all type of religions out there. But Jesus said, as I quoted this morning, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So you're going to go through heaven. All these religions that I've talked about, all these religions outside of Christianity, Christianity is not a religion, they all focus on what you have to do. And to be honest with you, when I was growing up, I was a Baptist. And I thought by being a Baptist and a member of a Baptist church and getting baptized in a Baptist pool would make me a believer in Jesus Christ. No different. It didn't even make me a Baptist. It just made me someone who went to church. It made me someone who got wet. It made me someone who dwelt with other believers. But being a Baptist is someone who believes in Jesus Christ in the word of God. That's the most important thing. It's not, again, a religion. It's a relationship. First John chapter 5, verse 11, this is the record, that God has given us eternal life, and this is in his Son. He that hath, he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's why I ask people oftentimes, and I knock on the doors like we did yesterday, and I said, where do you go to church? And some people say, I'm Catholic. Or I say, well, I'm a member, member of another church. Or I, I go here. And I often say to them, well, that's good. I'm glad you go. But the most important thing is not that you go to church. Because, dear friends, may I say to you and declare to you, 
There are millions, yea, maybe billions of people in church today, yesterday, but they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't have, they don't have a clue how to get saved. How do I know that? Because I just said I was one of them. I thought self-righteousness was the way. I thought religion was the way. I thought if I just obeyed the Ten Commandments, if I just did good, I would make it. But that's not true. That's not true. Fifth, he asked the right question. What should I do that I may eternal, have eternal life? Again, he was trying to, he was trying to make it happen. And it, it, for what he said, he did a lot of good things. Jesus said to him, knowest thou commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. That's what Jesus said to him. He gave him some of the Ten Commandments that we find in the book of Exodus. And he answered Jesus. He said, Master, all these I've observed from my youth. Man, he's a better man than me. Most of us in this room could not say they haven't committed adultery, not killed, not stole, not bear false witness, defrauded not, honor thy father and mother. Well, most of us would say, I'm guilty. <laughs> I know I've dishonored my mother and father. I've, done, I've broken all these, if not in spirit and letter. See, the, keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't get anybody saved. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to show you that you cannot say you're saved. Because no one ever ever, ever who's walked the earth except Jesus Christ has always kept the Ten Commandments perfectly. You say, well, preacher, I've kept them all except one. Dear friend, if you sin one time, one time, you've broken the law, and that's enough to cast you into hell forever and ever. But there's nobody in this earth that's ever just to sin just one time. I told you a story, and I'll tell it again. I went on visitation one time down in Naples. It was really close to the water, really close to the Gulf. And I met this lady, and she was a sweet, kind lady. I had to walk up the steps to get to her house. Must have been a wealthy husband and left this widow with a lot of money, nice house. I knocked on her door, and I said, dear ma'am, do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? And she said, no. she said I'm, I'm religious. I go to church. And I said, ma'am, I didn't ask you about that religion. I'd ask you about it to go to church. I said, do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? And I said, have you ever sinned? And I went through all the list. I said, lying. She said, never lied. I said, stole. You said, you never stole. I said, you never coveted. I never coveted. I said, you dishonored your mother and father. I never dishonored your father and mother. I couldn't get on any of them. Then in the background, I, I heard a TV turn on. I said to myself, ah. I said, ma'am, let me ask you a question. That TV back there I hear in the background, you ever watch me on that TV that you couldn't have watched? It's almost like I caught a secret. Her face lighted up as she bowed her old head. She said, yes. I said, ma'am, you need Jesus Christ because you, you, can't, you can't save yourself by being good. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 10, 9, thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Mark 10, 18, Jesus said to them, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. See, this man came asking questions, and a lot of times people say, well, man, Jesus could have just said, trust in me. And you know what? That wouldn't have been good enough because he had a problem. So what's the sixth point in our outline in obtaining eternal life? That is repentance. That is repentance. You see, this guy had a lot of qualities, a lot of good attributes. But the 
one thing he did not recognize was that he was a sinner who needed Jesus Christ. He wasn't willing to repent of it. He wasn't willing to say, you're the only way. He was willing to do religious acts. He was moral. He was religious. He He was intelligent. He was educated. He had lots of things. But he wasn't really willing, ready to say, I was wrong. You see, friend, before you can get saved, you have to realize you're lost. I'll say it again. Before you ever get saved, you have to realize you're lost. On April the 15th, 1989, I'd been in her many gospel preaching churches. I'd been to camp. I, mom drugged me to church. Dad drugged me to church. I got drugged all the time. I was druggy. I got drugged to church. Then I slept, woke up, went back again the next time. I heard a message of the gospel many times, but the problem is I never thought it was for me. I never thought it was for me. I thought it was for that other guy. Man, that guy, I knew that guy over there. Well, I knew that girl over there. I knew how bad they, they were. When that preacher preached on April the 15th, 1989, and said Marty Moon, well, he didn't say Marty Moon, but he could have said Marty Moon because the Holy Spirit was speaking right to me. If you die today, do you know you have eternal life? Are you 100% sure? For the first time, I saw myself as a sinner, and I was willing to repent of my sin. What does it mean to repent? It's to recognize that you're wrong and be willing to go the other way. That's repentance. This man, oh, man, he kept a lot of the good law. He was a good person, probably one of the best people you ever met. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. A lot of people out there are gooder than a lot of Christians. They're more moral. They're more righteous in of themselves. They do better things. They have a better work ethic. They show up on time. They are good to their word. They, they work a hard day. They do their best. I've met them. They have everything about them that's good. What they don't have is Jesus, and, that, and that's all the difference. You've met them too. This person wasn't willing to admit to his sin. You see, his God was stuff. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, Thou shalt have any, no other gods before me. See, Jesus is the only God. He's not only the Lord, he's the master, he's our savior, he's our king. And the problem with this man is though he had many moral qualities, he had lots of education, lots of intelligence, he had a God that was before any other God, the God of coveting, the God of possession. Because the Bible says that Jesus had asked him in verse 21, He says, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. If you really want to be my disciple, if you really want to be a Christian, then you have to die to yourself. You have to say no to yourself and recognize there's a problem here. You love your stuff. You see, friends, it's nothing nothing wrong with having stuff. It's when the stuff has you. Oh, I love that Harley Davidson. I'd love to drive it. But dear friend, I'm, how do you know I don't love it that much? Because I'm here preaching to you, not on it right now. I love to fish. I love to hunt. How do you know I don't love it more? Because I'm not out there hunting and fishing right now. I'm talking to you about Jesus. I love Jesus more than hunting and fishing in Harley Davidson. That's the most important thing in life, dear friend. Who you, what do you love? Because I can tell you how your life is. You tell me what you do. You tell me what you, where you go. You tell me what you talk about. I'll tell you who you worship. There's only one person we should worship, and that's Jesus Christ alone. No remorse. No repentance. 
No recognition of he was wrong. And what does that equal? No salvation. Do you come to the place where you recognize that you're wrong, that you're a sinner? There is no way possible for you to save yourself. Not by your heritage, not by your, by your faith, not by your goodness, not by your righteousness, not by your past, not by your parents. Do you recognize there's no way for you to save yourself? Then you'll never be saved. You'll never be saved. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 22, he was sad at this saying, went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. He could not recognize his sin of covetousness and repent of that sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone. I wonder this morning, what keeps you from trusting in Jesus Christ? Does anything keep you? Does anything keep you from trusting in Jesus Christ? Or would would by God giving you something cause you to trust in Jesus? Some people say, oh, if I only had the right relationship. Oh, if I could only be younger again. Oh, if I can only have this. My savior, my, can I tell you this, friend? The best thing you can ever have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was reading in Psalms this last couple of weeks, and it says in one of the Psalms, all my fountains are in thee. All my springs are in thee. We have a lot of springs around here, don't we? Jenny Springs, East Kentucky, and I are probably missing out some things. I was missing out some things. We have all these little springs, rainbow springs. Oh, dear friend, the fountain of all our joy is in Jesus Christ. Oh, the day I accepted Jesus Christ was the greatest day of my life because now I have everlasting life. But it wasn't just the first thing. Because then I met a church, I got involved in the church, and then I got a calling to be a preacher, and then I got to go to a college to learn to be a pastor, and then at that college I met a young lady by the name of Angie Goosey, and then we fell in love, got married, had two wonderful kids, still have them, Alethea and Micah. Now we, God called me for 18 years in ministry in Fort Myers, now for the last three right here at North Gainesville Baptist Church. It all started with a decision to say yes to Jesus. Your success in life is caught up in one thing, knowing Christ. You know him, you have everything. You don't know him, you have nothing. It's knowing him and learning of him and growing in him and being obedient to him that you have life. What would my life look like if I didn't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? On that day of April the 15th, 1989. I'll take you what it would look like. It would have been hell for me. Marty Moon right now, I believe with all my heart, would be in hell. Because I heard about it. I heard about him. 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 And I rejected him at every stage of my life. But he brought me to the place at that point in my life, on that time, at that place, where only a place I could look was up. And that's where he found me. He found me at my wit's end. And that's the day that I got saved. You say it's impossible. <laughs> I love what these disciples, <laughs> they couldn't believe what was going on. Jesus says in verse 23, look at it. And Jesus looked around about and said to the disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter eternal life. What was keeping him for eternal life? His riches, his stuff, his covetousness. He really wanted it. His disciples did not understand that wealth does not equal spirituality. See, the idea back in those days was 
if you had stuff, that means you're blessed of God. That means you're going to heaven. But dear friends, all the stuff in the world doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that much because I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul attached to it. And I've been to a whole lot of funerals. You can't take it with you. The day you're you're dying, only thing going to be in that coffin is you in that suit. And you better watch out for that guy that's doing the examination. He may take something else from you. You don't, when you die, it's over. It doesn't matter about what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter about your accomplishments. It doesn't matter about those little awards you still have on your table. It doesn't matter if you were in who's who. It doesn't matter what classes you took or what classes you didn't take. All that matters is if you know Christ. Who can know is life everlasting? They couldn't believe it. They were shocked. The disciples were astonished. Look at verse 24. All these words that Jesus said to them, children, how hard is it them that trust in riches to enter in the kingdom, kingdom of God? He said, verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Can a, can a camel go through the eye of a needle? The Persians had another phrase. They said, that, could an elephant go through, a, through the eye of a needle? Either way, it's impossible. It's impossible. Can you get to heaven on your own? It's impossible. Can riches get you to heaven? It's impossible. And they, in verse 26, were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who can be saved? And Jesus looked around them, saith, With men is impossible, but with God, but, but, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. The problem with riches, their wealth gives them false sense of security. They're consumed with things of the world where their treasure is. Their hearts will be also. They tend to be selfish, pursuing self-fulfillment, self-gratification. Their problem is self-righteousness, which leads often to legalism. Legalism is thinking that if I do A, B, and C, it will equal eternal life, which it cannot. Jesus taught the disciples, and they were astonished. The perplexity of the disciples, verse 26, and they were astonished out of measure, saying themselves, who can be saved? The power of faith, verse 28, then Peter began to say unto them, lo, we left all and followed thee. Verse 29, Jesus answered, verily I say unto you, there's no man that left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but ye shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and the world to come eternal life. People say, is it worth it to say, is it worth it to serve God? Oh, dear friend, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. Because look what he says at the end. He says, many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Who are first in this world? The rich, the wealthy, the intelligent, those who have. They're first. Those who know people, those who are in the know, they are first. But those who are in the first right now, are ultimately going to be those who are in the last. Because again, it's not what you have, it's who you know. Oh, dear friend, you might be here and say, Preacher, I'm poorer than a church mouse. You might be, but you know Jesus, you have everything. You have everything. Because you and God make a majority. You and God make a majority. Oh, the challenge is today is that we as Christians have to show love and compassion and share the gospel with others no matter what they have 
no matter what they don't have, no matter who they are, no matter where they've been, because Jesus looked upon this man and he didn't scorn him. He didn't despise him. He didn't reject him. He looked on him with compassion and love. And no matter who it is that you're sitting by or you're meeting in the way or you're talking to, we must share the compassion like Jesus shared and showed his compassion towards this rich young ruler. Didn't Jesus know this man's faults? Didn't Jesus know his whole history? He knew everything about him because he was created by God. He knew everything about him. But he still loved him and had compassion on him. Dear friend, if we're to love our enemies and do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us, Oh, dear friend, shouldn't we love everybody in the world? Shouldn't we love other people and care about other people and show them mercy and grace? Have you ever been unlovely in this world? You ever acted in a way that is not, you, is not, uh, is not congruent to your character? Yeah, we all have. We've all done things and said things and acted certain ways that weren't right. But in the midst of ourselves, in the midst of our sin, God commended his love towards us. Send his son to die for us. Aren't you glad for that today? Then even on our worst day, Jesus recognized our sin and was sent to save us from our sin. Oh, dear friend, we need to love others. The Bible says Jesus beholding him loved him. We need to show love towards other people. Some people are lost in the world today simply because of their ignorance, their self-righteousness, and possibly because we as Christians have not taken the opportunity and showed our love towards other people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We should never forget that God loves every one of us. Red, yellow, brown, black, or white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. Secondly, we must recognize that I can't save anybody. I must love everybody, but secondly, I can't save everybody. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could just by giving them somebody something, like a pill or a potion or a church bulletin, <laughs> I could say, be saved. But, dear friend, it's not my faith that saves anybody. It's only Jesus that saves. I've tried to save people. I remember when I was a kid, I'd been saved. I was 17 when I got saved. I must have been maybe 18 or 19. I was a new Christian. There was a kid across the road that I always hung out with. Well, it didn't a lot, but he was right across the road, so i just hang around with him sometimes just because I'd see him. I'd say, let's go play basketball. Let's go run down the street. Let's have fun. He was about my sister's age. His name was Jojo. I said, I said to Jojo one day, I saw him over there. I said, Jojo, you know what it means to be saved. You know what it means to be a Christian. And I went through the whole thing. I told him, you, need to, you, know, you, you know you're a sinner. You need to be saved. He said, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I said, well, I know you're a sinner, Jojo. I live, I'm your neighbor. Yeah, you, I'm a sinner. And, 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 and yeah, I, 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 I want to go to heaven. He said, yeah, I want to go to heaven. And I said, I said, well, won't you ask Jesus to save you right now? He said, yeah, I asked Jesus to save right now. I said, well, pray, Jojo. And Jojo prayed. He did A, B, C, D. He did it. I don't think he meant any of it. I saved Jojo. But I don't think Jojo ever got saved. I don't know. I know one thing. Jojo's not with us anymore. I hope he heard the gospel. But dear friend, it's not just about numbers. It's not just trying to get another click, another, another uh, notch on your belt. It's not just trying to get somebody saved so you can say you get somebody saved. Salvation has to come when a person recognizes they're a sinner themselves. And their only hope is Jesus Christ. And then by faith, repenting of their sin and trusting in Christ alone. Oh, we must teach them. Oh, we must tell them. 
but we cannot save them. That's why I'm so careful, especially with children, not to try to save them, but for them to recognize they need to be saved. I didn't go to Mike. I didn't go to my daughter, Alethea, and say, you need to be saved. I let them come to us and, and come to me. I can't ever forget that day. I was sitting there in front of the tower. My daughter came up to me and said, Dad, what does it mean to be saved? I want to be saved. I said, go talk to your mama. And my wife let it happen. Because I was so teared up, and I couldn't do anything. Because I was so happy. I can say to your face, the best thing I'm going to say it. The best thing you can do for your family is tell them about Jesus. give you anything better than that. Why? Because there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than Jesus. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for loving us. As wicked as we are, as sinful as we are, oh, we're horrible. We're honest about ourselves. Even this man, with all the many good things he was, this rich young ruler, religious type stuff. Oh, how sad it is that he didn't have you. He came humbly. He came expectantly. But he went away sadly. Saddest words of tongue of pen are what could have been. Or if that young man would have simply gave up his possessions, recognized his sin, and trusted in Jesus. How happy he would be today. How happy he would be. Oh, dear friend, maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I've been religious. I go to church. I've read the good book. I've been baptized. Maybe you're a Baptist, a Pentecostal, a Methodist. You've gone to church for a long time, but if you're honest with yourself, if you're totally honest with yourself, and I was to ask you 100% sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven, which, what would you say? You say 50%, 50% is not going to get you to heaven. 75%, 75% is not going to get you to heaven. You say, preacher, I'm not sure. I, I have some doubts. I really have doubts if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I don't want to have any doubt. I want to know that I know that I know Christ is my Savior. I want to know, God forbid, I was to get in a car and I'd get no accident and I'd die. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's me, preacher. Sitting where I'm at, I promise you, friend, I won't embarrass you because I've been exactly where you are. I've been exactly where you are. I've been there sitting in my seat, squirming in my seat, doubting in my seat, but wanting no more, more than anything in life to know Christ as my Savior. I've been there. Say, preacher, I want to be saved today. I need Christ. I need Jesus. I need him. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest today? Anybody at all? I'm not saved. I'm not saved, but I need to be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I am a Christian, but I, I lack love for the lost. 
I'm so caught up in me and my things and my stuff. And I see Jesus having compassion on this man. It breaks my heart because I don't have compassion that I need. I need the compassion of Jesus Christ. I need the love of Christ running through me to see a world lost and dying, going to hell. I need the compassion of Christ. I don't have it right now, preacher, to be honest, but I need it. Would you pray for me that I would choose to love others and share the gospel with others? I need it, Lord Jesus. I need it. Is that your prayer today? That's me. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. That's me. I've lost my tears. I've lost my care. I've gotten hard hearted. You don't cry anymore for souls. You don't weep anymore for souls. Oh, you used to. You got family members that die and going to hell. You got neighbors dying and going to hell. Preacher, I've lost my tears. I've lost my compassion. Would you pray for them? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to your heart today and you need to be saved, would you come? Brother Clayton will be here. If you're a lady, I'll have another lady come and share you from the Bible how you can be saved. If you just say, preacher, I've lost my tears. I've lost my, I've lost my compassion towards other people. I need to come. Dear friend, and all of us can do it. I find myself, myself being honest, struggling with loving the lost. You get so caught up in the things of this world and stuff that you can lose your desire, your hunger, your thirst for souls, for Christ's sake. If that's you this morning, would you come? As the piano plays, do business with God. Maybe there's an area in your life I didn't even touch on today. That you need to confess. Maybe a sin in your life. Maybe it's covetousness. Like this man, he had great possessions. He had lots of stuff. And the stuff was keeping him from God. Maybe it's another thing. Maybe it's bitterness, anger, harbored hurt. Maybe you're mad at God. God took something away from you. God said no to you. Are you bitter? Are you angry? Are you mad? He's the great healer. He's the great physician. But you have to recognize it. You have to recognize where you're wrong. And you're willing to come to Christ and confess it. Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. And confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you all unrighteousness. Would you come? Would you come and do business with